Welcome to Let's Clear the Air, a podcast sponsored by the Allergy, Asthma, and Sinus Center, dedicated to educating listeners about allergies, asthma, and immunology. Welcome back. I'm your host, Liz Edwards, and today I am with Dr. John Overholt. We are in our Midtown office here in Nashville, and we are talking about home remedies for allergies. There's such a huge market out there, and a lot of it is not valid information. Correct. So I'm going to start out with your favorite, which is local honey. My favorite. Absolutely. (laughs) What is, dispel that myth for us. A lot of people think I take a tablespoon of local honey every day. That's why I don't have allergies. So the the thought is that, you know, bees are flying around, picking up pollen, making honey with it, and that there'll be some portion of the pollen that then is found in the honey that if you can take orally will desensitize you. This doesn't work on a number of levels. One, the pollen that the bees are collecting is different from the pollen that causes allergies. Allergies, pollens that cause allergies are wind-borne pollen. So they blow around in the air and that's how they get distributed from place to place. Mm-hmm. The ones that bees use are bee pollinated. So they really are too big. They don't float around in the air. So they don't get in mm-hmm. to our nose and our eyes and our lungs to cause problems. Okay. Uh, so that's the first thing is different pollens. Uh, the bees aren't picking up tree pollen. They're not picking up ragweed pollen. They're not picking up grass pollen. Right, right. The second thing is oral immunotherapy for pollen doesn't work. You can't take a, a spoonful of pollen and swallow it every day and expect to be desensitized to it. That study's been done a number of different ways. Mm-hmm. And it's just an ineffective therapy that when the stuff gets into the gut, into the stomach, the acid chews it right up. And so it's, it's, not, it's no, longer, no longer resembles its sort of allergic pollen self. And then the best thing, of course, the ultimate test for any sort of uh, you know, treatment is a double-blinded, randomized, placebo-controlled trial. And that's been done with this. Okay. Where they took local honey, and then they took nationally pooled honey, and then they took honey-flavored corn syrup. And they oh, blinded wow. people to what they were getting, so they didn't know. And there was absolutely no difference in the outcomes between local honey, pooled honey, and then just honey-flavored corn syrup. So honey for allergies... It's literally a sugar pill. Right. Yeah, it tastes great, uh, but it ain't going to fix your health. For some of our listeners who might be new, um, so basically if you feel you're allergic to pollen, you would come in and see us, and how would the first visit go? So we take a good history and physical examination, Mm -hmm. find out your entire medical history, and then a specific history related to your allergies and the complications that are going along with that. And then usually we're doing some allergy testing to see exactly what people are allergic to. You know, allergy testing is important in these cases to determine the presence or absence of allergies because sometimes people think it's allergies and sometimes it's not. Mm-hmm. And so the treatment for those are very, very different. So testing to see whether it is or isn't is very important. And then if it is, to determine precisely what the allergy profile is because that allows us to make specific uh, avoidance recommendations, different treatment recommendations, and often ultimately allergy shots or allergy immunotherapy, which is sort of the ultimate treatment for all this stuff. Right. I'm going to run down a list of other home remedies, over-the-counter things we can all get our hands on, and I want you to give me your honest opinion. Gotcha. Do you want to score it from like zero to ten? I'll see. If a score okay. is appropriate, I'll, I'll let okay. you Okay. Know. All right. A neti pot. Yeah, could be 10 out of 10, could be 1 out of 10. It depends on the person. Neti pots work really well. Okay. Um, they, you, know, you basically mix up some water and some solute in there, and you flush out the nose, and that rinses out irritants. It rinses out allergens. It removes secretions from the nose. 
it can be a tremendously effective therapy, particularly for non-allergic nasal issues, but also for allergic nasal issues. People either, and the reason I say it's either a one or a 10 uh-huh. is that people either love it or they hate it. Yeah. Uh, because some folks think it's the greatest thing they ever did. They right. do it every day or twice a day and it really works for them. And some people just cannot bring themselves to I flush can't. a high volume of water up their nose. <laughs> they say they feel like they're waterboarding. Themselves. Right. Waterboarding. Yeah. So, yeah. So, it, yeah, often worth a try because it can be a very, you know, very cheap, simple, low side effect, effective therapy, mm-hmm. uh, but uh, not for everybody. Okay. The other thing I wanted to ask you about is air purifiers. I've wanted to buy one and I'm conflicted. My mom got one not too long ago and it induced some sort of coughing attack. What, uh, what's going on in that? Air purifiers, and and I'm making little quotey symbols. Right, right. There's a lot of different types that do different things that are marketed under that name. Air purifiers that release ozone Mm -hmm. will remove stuff from the air, but they also put ozone in the air. Ozone's a respiratory irritant. So it can actually precipitate nasal and sinus symptoms, precipitate asthma. Mm -hmm. Uh, There was a big major catalog manufacturer uh, that sold a ton of these things and really put, you know, a bunch of their revenue behind it and found out when people started suing them because they were getting sick for it, they went out of business. Um, So the ones that produce ozone have to be very, very carefully or not at all. Right. Um, You know, there are ozone air purifiers that the real ones, they say, you know, use this when you're not at home and you're not going to be there for 24 hours to let the ozone dissipate. Okay. And, and that'll clear stuff up. It's mostly for home odors. Like people use them for, you know, cars that have been smoked in for a long time or that sort of stuff. They're not really there to clean out the air regularly. Okay. Other types of air purifiers would be HEPA filters. HEPA is a designation. It stands mm-hmm. for High Efficiency Particulate Air Filter. And it's that's just a designation that says it clears out a certain number of particles of a certain particle size per unit volume. So it's an air filter, and that can help remove things from the indoor environment. The problem is that a lot of these allergens really don't stay aloft very long, and they have to be in the air for the air filter to work. So cat dander stays aloft for a reasonably you know long time, and it can help reduce the level of cat dander, or likewise dog dander. But for dust mites, for you know common pollen allergies, they're just not effective you know, as an indoor uh, treatment measure. That being said, too, the, uh, you know, if you use it for cat dander or dog dander, it'll take the level of those down from a ton to a lot um, and often will not get that below the threshold needed to cause improvement in symptoms. In the shortest terms, they don't work that well. Okay. I'm so glad you cleared up the ozone uh, Yes, that, issue. that's really, really key. You have to yeah. be very careful. With yeah. That. It does produce that nice sort of I mean, some people like the odor of ozone. Is that it's a nice sort of right chemically kind of smell. I bet you that's mind. the one she bought because she was, was in a yeah. coughing attack and called me and yes. was wondering. So yeah, that was probably it. All right, let's run down the list. Um, nasal sprays. When I'm going to the drugstore and I want to pick out a nasal spray for myself, what would you suggest? Right, we'll, we'll break them down into what's available. Over okay. Time. All right. Uh, probably from simplest to most complicated. Uh, so simplest would be simple saline. You know, a nasal yes. saline spray. Mm-hmm. Um, that can help moisten the lining of the nose. It can help sort of break up some secretions in there. Mm-hmm. It's 100% safe to use. Its effectiveness is eh. Um, you know, it's good for kind of rinsing out the nose a little bit, but it's not going to be very helpful for persistent allergies. Nasal steroids that are available over the counter, Flonase, Rhinocort, um, Nasacort, all their generic equivalents, mm-hmm. are the most effective medications when used regularly, um, but do require you know regular use in order to give benefits. 
Astapro is available over the counter now. It's a topical antihistamine spray. Um, it works really well. It can work on an as needed basis. It tastes nasty. Mm -hmm. uh, we used to call it nasty pro. I hope you don't <laughs> get mad for saying that. Is it drying? Um, like, I it feel like can, it has a drying. It is, it is, it's an older generation antihistamine, is all it is. And so okay. It can be very drying. Yeah. And then lastly, would be the vasoconstrictor nasal sprays like Afrin and Four Way that contain either oxybutazoline or phenylephrine in them. Mm -hmm. And those are okay to use for a couple of days, but if you use them longer than three or four days, you'll start to develop a rebound such that when the medication wears off, your nasal swelling will be worse than it was before. Mm -hmm. That creates this vicious cycle of dependence, and that's why you see so many people who have become hooked on those medications and cannot breathe without them. You can get off them, and we can help people get off them, mm -hmm. um, but they have to be used just like the box says, no more than three days or else you're really sort of putting yourself at risk for having issues with them. Okay, that's good to know. I'm not going to confess whether or not I've done Afrin right now. Um, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> mattress uh, and pillow covers, um, those protective pillow covers. What, what do you think of those? In the right people, yeah. yes. Okay. But you got to know whether you're allergic to dust mites. I mean, they're really okay. there to control dust mite allergy, to put a barrier. Dust mites live in your mattress and so uh, your pillows. And so putting you know the covers around those will put a barrier between the patient and dust mites. But it's not something I would generally recommend unless you know you're allergic to dust mites. So you know, testing in those cases, and that's one of the reasons you would do testing, is to say, yes, this avoidance strategy would be effective for you rather than just doing it, you know, kind of guessing and saying, well, I'll just try some allergy bedding covers or something like that. But if you mm -hmm. use that along with some other bedding measures, washing the bedding in hot water and such, um, can be effective for controlling dust mite allergy. All right. Well, thank you for all of the notes on my list here. Um, this definitely helps our patients know uh, what's what's true, what's not. And, and bottom line, they need to get in to see us when they have questions. Agreed. Yeah. Knowledge is power. It's so helpful to know the, have that information because that really can help you focus your treatment on something that's going to be maximally effective. All right. Well, thank you so much for being with us today. Sure thing, Liz. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of Let's Clear the Air. Please consider following this podcast. And remember, if you want helpful and accurate information about allergies and asthma, our allergy experts are here to clear the air.